You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading is taken, first of all, from Galatians 3, the verses 1 to 5. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit... Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And then chapter 4, the verses 8 to 20. Formerly, When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all of your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Text for this morning is Galatians 4, verse 19. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. 
Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, why are you here this morning? Why have you come to church? What do you plan to do this morning? Did you come to worship the Lord your God? If so, why are you doing that? Did you come to glorify the Lord your God? If so, why would you want to do that? Did you come to listen to the Word of God? If so, why would you want to do that? From my reading of the scriptures, it's my understanding that we come to church on Sundays so that the Lord Jesus Christ would be formed in us. And one of the key texts that I base that on is the following. You'll find it in Romans 8, verse 29, where the Apostle Paul says, Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed unto the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There you have the goal of God's electing love. Why did God set his sights on you? Why has he loved you? Why has he elected you? So that you might be conformed unto the image of Jesus. So that Jesus might be our oldest brother, the firstborn in a family of brothers and sisters who look like him, who speak like him, and who act like him. And that's why it should not surprise us that the Lord Jesus Christ also worshipped when he was here on earth. Already when he was 12 years old, we hear him saying to his parents, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And elsewhere through the Gospels we read that it was Jesus' custom to worship on the Sabbath day and attend the worship services in the synagogue. That's why it should not surprise us that the Lord Jesus Christ also glorified his heavenly Father. We hear Jesus saying, I praise you, heavenly Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding but reveal them to the babes. And that's why it should not surprise us that we also read about the Lord Jesus Christ listening to the word of his heavenly Father. 
There's an amazing text in John 14, verse 10, where Jesus says, The words I speak are not my own. They are the Father's words. It is the Father who is working and speaking through me. Jesus was always listening to the word of his Father and passing on the word of the Father to all those whom the Father had placed on his path. And so why do we worship? Because Jesus did. And why do we glorify God? Because Jesus did. And why do we listen to the word of God? Because Jesus did. It's very simple. Even the children among us can understand that. And that's why it shouldn't surprise us that we hear Paul writing to the Colossians. And this is the overarching goal of all of his ministry and all of his writing. He says, I strive with all the energy that is within me that I may present you, talking to the church of Colossae, that I may present you all as mature or complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Paul's goal in everything that he does. And that's why it shouldn't surprise us that he says in our text this morning, my dear children, my little technoi, very affectionate little term, my dear children, for whom I am again, it's not the first time, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You know, Paul's preaching had actually been well received by the churches of Galatia. Those were not the churches of southern Galatia. They were the churches of northern Galatia. A place that was well known for the healing for people who had eye diseases. And that's why Paul writes about, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. He came up there in northern Galatia as a sickly man. His preaching had been well received by these churches in northern Galatia. The people had turned from serving lifeless idols to the living God in Christ Jesus. And the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom they had turned in faith, had poured out his Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit who had been poured out in the members of these churches had begun to form the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts and in their lives. But something, something had happened that was stopping the formation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the lives of the members of these churches. And that something was or were agitators who had crept into the congregations 
and who were saying to the members of the churches, you know, you don't have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. You have to do more. You have to place your trust in days, in seasons, in months, and in years. But brothers and sisters, when you place your trust in lifeless things, such as days and seasons and months and years, that will stop the formation of Jesus Christ in you. Can this piece of wood dispense the Spirit to you and me? Can the bench on which you are sitting give you the Spirit? Can human beings give you the Spirit? Only the Lord Jesus Christ can dispense the Spirit because it is His Spirit that He dispenses together with the Father, His Heavenly Father. This grieves the Apostle Paul. He's actually very sad about this, that this formation of the Lord Jesus Christ was being stagnated and put to a halt in the lives of the Galatians. And so he pleads with them to place their trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he compares himself in doing so to a woman in the pains of childbirth. When I made this sermon, actually when I was working on the sermon, I just happened to be visiting a couple who was expecting a baby. And uh, I shared the text with them. It's not a bad thing to do. I, I says, you know, I've got this metaphor in this text about the pains of a woman in childbirth and you're expecting a baby. I could have asked my wife, of course, but I just happened to be there and I said, let's, let's just reflect upon this together. Well, what do you see in this metaphor? And so we talked about it together for a while. And we came up with the following five elements in the metaphor. And they're not exhaustive. Because I think if you reflect upon it a little more, you can probably find other aspects in it as well. And the first aspect is obvious. It's the pains of childbirth. Striving with all the energy that Paul has to form Christ in the members of the congregation is something that causes him pain, something that causes him suffering. And we know that Paul suffered a lot when he preached the gospel. He was persecuted. Sometimes he was stoned. He was kicked out of the synagogues. It caused him a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Simply to preach the Lord Jesus Christ 
and to have the Lord Jesus Christ formed in the members to whom he was preaching. And then secondly, being in the pains of childbirth is also a very focused activity. A woman in those pains is focused completely on bringing new life into the world. And that was Paul's focus in his life as well. You could say that Paul had a one-tracked mind. All he thought about and all he wanted to do and all he cared about was just simply to have the Lord Jesus Christ formed in the lives of other people. He knew that the work of Jesus Christ was not complete when he simply died on Calvary's cross, even though it was a complete atonement. He knew that Jesus Christ's work would only be complete if it it would find expression, would be imparted in the lives of sinful human beings like you and me. So he had this one-tracked, focused mind. Have the Lord Jesus Christ be born in other people. Thirdly, it's very energetic. It costs a lot of energy. And Paul spent days and days, and he worked till deep into the night, preached till deep into the night, simply because he had that one goal, the formation of Jesus Christ in other people. Fourthly, it's a very expectant activity. A woman in the pains of childbirth is not only very energetic when she's in those pains, She's also very expectant. She's expecting to see new life. Beautiful new life. Maybe a boy. Maybe a girl. Who knows? But then who cares? As long as it's new life. Paul's the same way. All of his suffering. All of his focused attention. All of his energetic work. In all of that, he was so expectant. He was on tiptoes, as it were, looking for signs of the Lord Jesus Christ being formed in the members of the congregation. He was looking for the love of Jesus and the joy of Jesus and the patience of Jesus. That people would begin to reflect the character and the ministry of Jesus as a congregation and as individual members of the congregation. Am I seeing it yet? Yes, there I see it. Wonderful, wonderful. Finally, it's a very rewarding activity. I've seen it five times myself. Where after the child has been brought into this world, 
the doctor will place the child at the mother's breasts. And the mother cries tears of delight. All the energy, all the pain, all the focused attention, it was all worth it. The Lord has given new life, has added a new child to the family. And when Paul sees the Lord Jesus Christ being formed in the members of the congregation, he feels so good. This is a real proper feel-good thing. There's nothing that makes you feel better than seeing the love and the patience and the kindness and the missionary zeal of the Lord Jesus Christ being reflected in the congregation of Christ and in the individual members of Christ. And you know, Paul being in the pains of childbirth was only following the example of his his great hero, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, too, was very focused in his attention. The Lord Jesus Christ, too, really had a one-tracked mind in all of his preaching, in all of his healing, in all of his celebration and his parties with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He just had one thing in mind, and that was that his miracles and his preaching and his rubbing shoulders with sinners would form Jesus Christ in them, would lead them to follow him, to take up their cross and follow him to the further glory of his heavenly Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, too, was so energetic in fulfilling that focus of his mind of having Christ formed. There's one passage in the Gospels where his parents came to him and they thought he was mad. They thought he was out of his mind. He kept preaching, he kept healing, he wasn't eating anymore, he wasn't probably sleeping, taking, getting as much sleep as he needed to have. And they thought, we better come rescue our son. Poor man's going to overwork himself. He's going to have a nervous breakdown. Jesus expended all of his energy in having Christ formed in other people. Jesus was also very expectant in seeing Christ formed in other people. You hear that in those beautiful words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Just take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I will give you rest. 
for your souls. Just come, come people, come to me. Learn from me. It was also very rewarding for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of that conversation he had with the Samaritan woman at the well. Had quite a past, the woman. Jesus very carefully leads her from the unknown to the known. Whoever drinks from this water will thirst again, he says. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst again. Yes, the water that I give him and he drinks from me will become like an artesian well in him, springing up, bubbling up to eternal life. And the woman believed. It must have brought tears to Jesus' eyes to see such a woman embrace him as her Savior and Lord. And Jesus suffered a lot. Suffered a lot of pain to have Christ formed in other people. Father, forgive them, he prayed from the cross, for they do not know what they are doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He allowed his blessed body to be nailed to the cross. He bore the undiluted wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race so that Christ could be formed in you and could be formed in me. Talk about being in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in us. Is that your struggle? Do you feel like a woman in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in yourself and one another? In the members of the congregation? Brothers' office bearers? Is that your one-track mind as you do your work among the members of the congregation. I just want to see Jesus. The character and the ministry of Jesus being reproduced in the members of the congregation. You're on the lookout. Yes, I see the joy of Jesus. I see the self-control of Jesus. So exciting when we make that our our one-track mind, as it were. Is that your goal as members in the communion of the saints? When you rub shoulders with each other and you visit each other, Also today, when you visit each other after the service, between the service, in the evening, you're wondering, did the sermon make any difference? This past week I read a meditation from Marva Don and 
She said, yeah, people sometimes say it's a good sermon. She says, that remains to be seen. You know what she meant. Was it really a good sermon? If it had no effect in the life of the people? Technically, maybe it was. But if it doesn't bring anything about in the lives of the congregation, it wasn't a good sermon. Remains to be seen. So what are you going to be on the lookout for? Today, tomorrow, next week, in your own life, in the life of the members of the congregation, young people, your friendships, when you go out at night, when you play your games together, you watch your, your movies and your videos. What's on your mind? What's the goal of all your activity? Do you really long to see the Lord Jesus Christ formed in your buddy? Your boyfriend or your girlfriend? And when you see your friend again a week later, are you on the lookout? Is there more kindness in his life? More patience? More self-control? Is that your goal as husband and wife? In your marriage? The main thing in your marriage is to see the Lord Jesus Christ take on form in your spouse. And if the Lord has given you children, is that the main thing in your parenting? You pray for that, don't you? Heavenly Father, May the Lord Jesus Christ be formed in the lives of my children. You know, it's a good time to think about this because today is the first Sunday of Advent. It's a time when we remember the brokenness of sin. It's a time when we remember and reflect upon the remaining bondage of sin. It's a time when we reflect upon the difference that the Lord Jesus Christ makes in the life of this world and in the life of the congregation. It's a time when we look forward to the second coming of Jesus and ask ourselves, how can we be prepared for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? What better things to think about than the formation of the Lord Jesus Christ in one another and in our own lives. And now you're asking, how are we going to do this? Well, those of you who are taking notes, Really listen well. 
I'm going to give you three rules that will guarantee the formation of Christ in one another and in yourself. Rule number one. Be sure to always do such and such and never do so and so. You got it written down? Rule number two. Be sure to always do such and such and make sure you always avoid so and so. Finish writing? Rule number three. Be sure to always do this and that and that and make sure you never do such and such. You follow those rules. It's a little bag of tricks I just gave you. You place your trust in this bag of tricks. Guarantee Jesus will be formed in your life. The lives of other people. You foolish people of Lang Langley. Those of you who believed me. You foolish people of Langley. Who bewitched you? What magician cast a spell upon you that you actually thought or think that Christ could be formed in you by works of the law? By doing this and not doing that? Placing your trust in, in little things like a piece of wood? Who bewitched you? Wasn't Jesus Christ clearly portrayed before your eyes as crucified? Did you receive the Spirit of Jesus by keeping works of the law? By keeping those three little rules that Reverend Moses gave you? Working with that little bag of tricks that he gave you? Placing your trust in that? Or did you receive the Spirit by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? So how is Jesus Christ formed in us? Listen to the Apostle Paul. He already said it in Galatians 3, but listen to him again in Galatians 2.20. He says... I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. And the life I live, he says, I live by faith. Not by a bag of tricks, a rules of do's and don'ts. I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why Jesus Christ said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
I repeat, apart from me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. A bag of tricks won't do it. A list of rules and don'ts won't do it. Only if you live in me and I in you will you bear much fruit. Just believe that. Just trust that. When you place your full weight on me, like you're placing your full weight on the bench in which you're sitting. And who knows, maybe we have more trust in the bench in which we're sitting than in Jesus Christ. Because none of you believes you're going to go through that bench. But how many of us doubt whether Jesus will really, really do what he said he would do? But Jesus says, just trust. Put your full weight on me. And then my character and my ministry will flow in you and through you like the life of a vine flows into a branch and enables that branch to bear much fruit. Then my focused attention of Christ formation will be reproduced in your life and you will become focused in having Christ formed in others. Then my energetic efforts in having Christ formed in others, that energy will flow into you like the life of a vine flows into a branch. Then my expectant and my feelings of being rewarded as I ministered among the people of my day, all of that will flow from me into you. And you'll find yourself being focused, energetic, expectant, rewarded. And yes, you'll also suffer with me. Suffering that I had to undergo so that Christ would be formed in others. You will be a partaker of that suffering as well. And you know what a difference that will make. When we live in union with Christ, when we place our full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then his love will become our love. And his joy will become our joy. And his peace will become our peace. His goodness his faithfulness and his gentleness will be reproduced in our lives. His self-control and his faithfulness as well. When we place our full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will begin to, to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, Act like Jesus. And we will communicate that 
to a watching world. You know, we live in a world that is looking for hope. The world is just being torn apart because of its own addiction to sin, its own addiction to self. And Jesus Christ is the only hope of the world. You don't go into the world and say, you want your life to come together? I'll give you a bag of tricks. You want your life to come together? I have a list of ten things. Make sure you don't do this and make sure you do that. And place your trust in these things. And you know what? It can make a big difference in your life. That's not what we do. Those things can't give the Spirit. Who bewitched you that you actually thought that that would happen? The only hope of the world is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we urge people to put their full weight on the Lord Jesus Christ. So continue to be in the pains of childbirth. Think a lot about it. It's the first Sunday of Advent. Four more weeks and it's Christmas. We celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if you could really celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own life too and in the lives of the members of the congregation and in the life of someone who lives in your neighborhood? Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.